Thank you for the welcome, and it's it's good to be here in this place with you this morning. Um, I have to say, I have to say, in the weeks leading up to this morning, I, I was starting to feel awfully intimidated by the plethora of props that kept <laughs> appearing. And I, I actually said something to our, our men's group one night. I said, I'm getting a bit intimidated. I'm speaking in a few weeks' time, and there's all these props keep coming out. Miles runs down the passage and he says he'll help me out. So he's helping me out here. Here we go. Is that going to be? Yeah, put it there. There it is, say no more. <laughs> or or I, I could say, just reaching to make a connection, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, so watch out. <laughs> I pray I'm bringing something of the Word of God to you this morning. Um, and they're pretty good, aren't they? You don't have to look at them anymore, or on the other hand, it might be better to look at them than at me. I wonder, are there any people here this morning um, who have been using the app Lectio 365 as a devotional aid? It's not a test to sort of, you know, because, oh, look, a bunch of you, a bunch of you doing that. Brilliant, brilliant. I've been using it. Um, uh, as I say, it's not a test and there's wonderful aids available to helping us in our walk with Jesus and spending time uh, with him. But I ask, I ask because there's a line in a prayer that I first heard on Lectio 365 that I've taken as my title this morning. There it is. The phrase in prayer is that I, we, be restored and restoried. I know the second one's not really a word, but I'm making it one this morning. That we be restored and restoried. Now, this phrase has just stayed with me for some weeks now as I find it so wonderfully descriptive of the missio day or the mission of God in his world. Restoring rescuing, saving people, and ultimately restoring individuals and people groups is, I believe, God's consuming passion because he wants all to be partakers of his better story for humankind as well as for his old creation. And there's another six sermons right there. So, I'm going to ask for a passage of scripture to be read now. Thank you, Diane. Um, it's from Luke 19, 1 to 10 from the message. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, who was the head tax man and quite rich. He desperately wanted to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. 
Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, and delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped, what business does he have getting cosy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. Thank you, Diane. This story, only found in Luke's Gospel, you'll notice that sometimes there's stories, parables, incidents, encounters along the way that happen in various Gospels. This one is particular to Luke's Gospel. The story of Jesus' encounter with a chief tax collector, or as uh, Eugene Peterson puts it in, in his message translation, head tax man. It's only found in Luke. And it's an account of a guy of small stature who wanted desperately to see Jesus. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because he was vertically challenged. He just couldn't see over most heads. Now, can I have that next pick? I don't know, but I, I couldn't help thinking of Danny DeVito. I'm not just picking on him because of his short stature, but there's something about Danny DeVito, about his sort of feistiness, and you wouldn't mess with Danny DeVito no matter how big you were. You know, it's kind of like that, and I, I thought that's a great image for me of what I think maybe Zacchaeus was like happened to be small of stature in his community, but he probably had to be pretty feisty too to be a tax man and even survive in that culture and in that setting. So we better remove Danny right now because I don't want you to get stuck there. His height made it hard for him, but at the same time, Zacchaeus, I believe, didn't want to be noticed by the crowd, for they despised him. So scrambling up a tree was both a good vantage point to see, and I'm sure it presented a reasonable hiding place. I'll get to see this Jesus. I'm a bit curious about him, so I'm going to look from up here. Jesus, we're told, was simply passing through Jericho. Zacchaeus wasn't immediately on Jesus' agenda, if you like, for the day. He was heading through town with Jerusalem as his destination. Jesus wasn't looking for Zacchaeus and what followed could be seen as a totally chance encounter. Hold that thought. There's a couple of people I've been getting to know um, in my dog park. I'll just call it the dog park from now on. Um, I, I met the lady with her dog a few years ago, and just more recently, I've got to know her husband. And they're Jesus followers, as it turns out. Early in their marriage, he wasn't a Christian. And one Sunday, he went to church though he wasn't looking for Jesus. In fact, he was really angry that his young wife was attending the church and he'd only gone to find her to bring her home. So he waited up the back 
for the service to finish. That would be his moment, he thought, to get her out of here. But hovering at the back, his attention was arrested by what the preacher was saying. He was talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit who makes Jesus present to us and he comes to live within us. And he was so impacted by the message that at the end of the service he found himself out the front giving his life to Jesus. He wasn't looking for that to happen. Zacchaeus thought he was well hidden up that tree. But Jesus, only intent upon doing what he saw his father doing, paused by that sycamore tree. He looked up. Next slide. <laughs> he saw a man there and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Some translations actually put this, I must be at your place today. It is necessary that I be a guest in your home. You see, in the moment, Jesus knew, call it perfect word of knowledge happening. I'm sure Jesus tended to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit far better than any of us do. And, and he just knew, your name's Zacchaeus. And he knew he was to be a guest in Zacchaeus's home. This was no chance encounter. Jesus knew that this was an appointment arranged by his father. Jesus knew that he had to call Zacchaeus from being a spectator to becoming an active participant in the kingdom of God. Should you be here today and not know Jesus, then let me tell you, he knows you. He knows your name. And he wants to come to you. He wants to come to your place and take up residence in your life. And if you'll invite him today, this moment, it would be a great time to do that. He will change your life for the good, just as he did for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus came curious. He came as a spectator, looking to see Jesus, but from a safe distance, to spot him peering down from that tree as Jesus passed by. And I imagine that to his absolute surprise... He was seen by Jesus. That wasn't what he planned. And from then, he got to really see Jesus in a way that was to change his life beyond anything that he could have ever imagined. Zacchaeus, as you can imagine, was stunned that Jesus knew him. How do you know my name? What's more, that being known, Jesus wanted to dine with him. Nobody in town wanted to dine with Zacchaeus. And then, was it at home? We can't be sure. Did it happen on the way, this conversation? You feel like there's bits, Luke, that you didn't get to record for us to fill out all that happened here. I'm going to say, then at home, he found himself stammering, no doubt apologetically, 
Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Big statements. Big statements of intent. Now someone might say, you might want to say, words are cheap. And since Jesus was passing through town, how will he know what actions will follow this profession? What's more, how might I know as a reader whether Zacchaeus was true to his word? The answer, I think, is right there in Jesus' response. Jesus knew that uncanny capacity he had for knowing the hearts of men, the hearts of people. Jesus knew that these were not just empty words. Other stories in the Gospels tell us of Jesus' special ability to know, certainly to know the thoughts and the intents of hearts. So without what we might think, were there words of repentance here that happened? Jesus knew that the actions the fruits of repentance would follow and that right there in the moment a total radical change of heart had taken place. I love this story. I love this story. Sometimes I sort of limit God so much and I want to think, well, have they prayed the sinner's prayer yet? Have they, you know, have they said some right words yet? And oh, how glorious that Jesus just says, I see your heart. And if you're telling me that right now, I know that heart. And I'm going to declare what's just taken place here. I can imagine Jesus just shouting with joy. This is the next slide. Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus. Son of Abraham. Such a powerful identity <laughs> declaration right there. For the Son of Man, me, <laughs> Jesus, came to find and restore the lost. And that's just what's happened here. Do you see it? That's what's happened here. No change of stature, I don't imagine, <laughs> for Zacchaeus. <laughs> but a huge change of status. Here, true identity as a child of God was conferred. A work of the Spirit. I'd call this a story of status reversal. At Jesus' word, Zacchaeus' status was reversed. This despised chief tax collector, this chief sinner in this community, was made and declared to be, at Jesus' word, a son of Abraham. You couldn't get a better appellation put to your name in the day. Because Jesus has already talked about who are the sons of Abraham and who aren't. He had to tell the Pharisees, you're not sons of Abraham. You're sons of the devil. This is a wonderful story of someone being restored and made a child of God and the beginning of someone being restoried. Yeah? 
I'll give you a more recent story than that Bible one. Monica was a single mum with one child, a son. She was a devout believer who sang hymns over her child in his infancy and prayed nightly with her hand on his forehead. The boy grew up to see the world quite differently from his mother. As an adolescent, he became known in their North African town as a womanizer and would often be seen publicly drunk at untold hours of the night. He had an extraordinary intellect and eventually grew into a philosopher, channeling all of his energy into combating his mother's Christian faith. Monica didn't give up. She continued to pray nightly for her son's salvation, just as she had done with her hand on his tiny forehead when she was a young mother. When he was 19, she had a dream through which she believed God was promising to answer prayers for her son. In response to her dream, she became more and more intense in prayer. A year passed, then another, then another. There was no change. No moment of hope, no change of heart or openness to belief. Nine years after that dream, he made plans to travel to Rome, known for its revelry and debauchery. Monica stayed awake all night in intense prayer that God would prevent his travels. Little did she know that her son had changed his plans and sailed to Rome that very night, already on his way as she prayed. On that trip, sitting alone one afternoon in a Roman garden, Monica's son heard the audible voice of God speaking to him. Bewildered, he opened up the very scriptures he had dedicated himself to despising and disproving. And right then and there, he surrendered his life to Jesus. I didn't say it was a modern day story, did I? I just said I was bringing it up a little. Monica's son was Augustine. And he went on to be considered the greatest theologian in history and a father of the early Christian church. Mum's prayer releases power. <laughs> prayer releases power. What persistence. What persistence in prayer. And what a fabulous fourth century story of a life being restored and restoried by God. If we can have the next slide, please. You see, God is in the business of restoring lives. What's more, God wants to restore lives. A lot of us, by the grace of God, sitting here this morning can say, by his grace, I've been restored. By his grace, I've, I've come to that recognition that without him, I couldn't be put right with God, but, but God has done something in Jesus and the shedding of his blood and his resurrection has me now assured that I, I, I'm a child of God. I've been restored. In my 70s, I'm discovering God's never done with restoring. 
and he's got some new chapters that he wants to write into our books. So it isn't a case of, oh, goody, I've stepped over the line, I'm now in the kingdom of heaven, I'll just sit back for, and look, have time in the sun. S-O-N. You know, we can be a bit casual. I'm just enjoying my time in the sun, thanks. No, it's not like that. We want to be able to hear the voice of God when he says, there's more I have for you, my daughter. There's more I have for you, my son. I'm never done with doing new things if you'll be ready to step into them. God's in the business of writing better stories. Whatever people's stories might be, God's goodwill is that people everywhere get caught up in the better story that he would have for your life. See, when the scripture says that it's God's will that all people be saved, that's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that's not a deterministic statement that says, and therefore God, all, God, every, all people are saved. No, because we know that free will is involved and so all people will not be saved. Yet, that scripture is a declaration about God's for humankind. That every people group throughout the world be drawn into his better story for his world, the world for which Jesus died to make all, the world for which he's wanting to and will bring it into a new heaven, a new earth reality. I believe that with all my heart. It's coming the new heaven and new earth. And he wants this for your life and for mine. But more than this, he wants to restory families and communities, including this faith community. I've been in community. And I'm just going to share with you right a personal conviction that I have. And it's just Rob Carter's personal conviction. And I could be wrong. But it's a hunch that I've been carrying for a while now. I believe that Father has been about the business of restoring us as a church community. And I believe that he is currently restoring our church family, the YVV family. And I can't think of a better time than wanting to be in this community right now and looking forward to the new story that he has for us. I believe we're on the cusp of something. You might feel, oh, we're in a little church these days. I'm loving where we're positioned right now. I hope you're seeing it. And if I'm right, we need to step into it and embrace what God is doing individually and collectively. So here's the next slide. <laughs> What's apparent throughout the Gospels, you've heard this said before, is that Jesus was always and only about his father's business. When only a 12-year-old, his response to his parents when he'd gone missing and ultimately found in the temple was, I needed to be about my father's business. His first disciples heard him say it and they observed that Jesus only ever did what he saw his father doing. And it follows, surely, 
that as disciples of Jesus today, we'd want to make Father's business our business. Whatever our occupation in life might be, or a lack of occupation, but as disciples of Jesus, we're called to practice a whole new way of living, a way that engages with the business of heaven coming to earth. We sang about it this morning. We have a part to play in God's good work of restoring and restoring lives. Some, I, I think there's at least one person here this morning who needs to say yes to Jesus and maybe there's something in particular you need to stop doing. Something you need to repent of, turn around. And to ask Father's forgiveness and to ask Jesus to take up residence in your life and I'd encourage you to do that today. Allow him to restore you today. For some here this morning, faith has become dry. Maybe even monotonous and boring. Dare we say that? But it might have become monotonous and boring. Your story in relation to God has stalled. Got stuck up a cul-de-sac somewhere. You're stuck on repeat and you're just going through the motions, but somehow rehearsing the same chapters, then I'd want to invite you and encourage you with all my heart to say, take this moment today to ask Father to restory you by coming for prayer with the intent and the desire that you might know or know again the abundance, the satisfaction and the joy that he has designed you for. When the God story in your life has stalled, it's usually to do with how we're seeing God. And maybe the aperture's not wide enough open. The where and the how of God, we, how are we imagining him in our lives right now? So I put it to you like it's, it's our imagination in God, who he is and what he can do that may need restoring in order for God's restoring to happen, to take place. Yeah, I'm going to be unashamedly tying this to my alpha table over there. <laughs> in what, I, what I want to say next. This is just an example though. Let me ask. You don't have to, and no, it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it out loud. But are there people, are there people in your life family members, friends, neighbours, people in the park like me, who you'd love to see come to faith to enter the kingdom. Or you'd love to see the kingdom come in some way for them, be it to deliver them from, from conditions that they carry, they're needing healing in life, be it provision. And your answer might be yes, yes, yes. But possibly, truth be told, you can't see it ever happening. I know I've had people around me or in my life that way that I've kind of thought, oh, gee, they're, they're hardened, you know. I just think I walk around them. I don't think they'd ever want to hear the gospel. Or maybe I've gone and made a decision. You see, I've made, let God be too small rather than having a, 
the harder they are, the bigger they fall, sort of thing, you know, rather than take a view that says, why am I doing that? Why am I imagining that this person could never find Jesus? I'm limiting God. I've made him a little tiny pocket God, you know? He's just this big. And it's a story that's way back there, but it doesn't impact and break into life today. But I know and believe it does because I've seen him do it. But I can get stuck. And so I'm inviting you this morning, if, if any way that's happened for you, your God's become too small and you can't really imagine that hope, that prayer ever being fulfilled, then today's a good time to ask Father to help you reimagine him. Today is a good day to ask Father that you might experience, receive the word he spoke to Moses when he said, I am that I am. Very profound phrase. Theologians play with it forever. But one thing I do believe it does mean is, I will be who I will be. I am the God of endless possibilities. Don't limit me. Don't limit me. And you have a sphere of influence and God wants to use you in your sphere of influence with that family member, that impossible neighbour, with whoever <laughs> who it might be. God's ready to say, this one too, I love with the same love that I love you. Will you step out and step into God's restoring? I'm going to invite you all to stand with me now. Friends, I'm going to pray this prayer over you. And then the invitation is to simply come. And, and Ben, I don't know if you're up for just playing a little bit on the keyboard. That's not just to give cover music, but sometimes it just helps us as we hear what Father might be saying to us. I won't mind if the whole church is out here this morning, that, 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 if that's what God is saying. But it's an invitation to, will you step in with me as I'm just needing to step in and step up into saying, God, turn the page in my life. Uh, write that new chapter that you want to write in my life as you use me to bring about your kingdom purposes in the earth, as you would use me to speak, to act in whatever ways might be needing um, to be acted and done in relation to people. So I want to pray this over you, and then the invitation is there. Please come, and we'll, there'll be people here. Uh, we, I don't know how it'll work out. Sometimes we might just turn around and say, oh, I guess I'm going to pray with you and for you. But it's, rather, it's largely wanting to agree before God in saying, Lord, restore me again where you need to. And Lord, will you restore me? Because I really want to be bold in my faith. I, I want to step out with you and believe for big things yet to come. You're not done with any of us until we go home to glory. My friends, may your hope, your trust in God be restored wherever that needs to take place. Come Holy Spirit and restore your people now. And may your imagination in God who he is and what he can do be restoried in you, that you become a part of an active participant 
in making Father's business your business until your very last breath. Amen. Amen.